Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, here we are. This is kind of fun. Our first video podcast at home. We did one in Hawaii a couple weeks ago, but this is exciting to have something new. I agree. So a few weeks ago, I asked on Instagram in like a little question box for ideas on things that people want us to podcast about. And you and I read through all of these before we started recording today's episode. And the one that kind of jumped out to both of us was someone who said, part two, did you ever think the light would shine again? And what was interesting there is, I don't know if this person meant to, but I didn't see a part one. So I think she's just referring to, you know, part two of our story. But then we talked about how this relates to so many things in life, like uh, certainly our story of addiction recovery and how we were in a really dark place for a long time, both of us with that and how our marriage, you know, has been in a bad place more than once because of addiction, and other things too. But, you know, we have, you have some pretty significant experiences with grief, with losing two brothers at two different times in your life. And for me, I also thought about postpartum depression. My, my fourth baby with Harry, how that felt like I would never see the light again. So I think there's some pretty different experiences that we'll go through, but there are some common themes on, you know, how we got through that. So let's start with grief, especially since that's kind of fresh for you since it's been five years since Dave passed away. And maybe just start with what you remember with Steve and then, and, you know, did it feel like things were ever going to get better and then compare your experience to Dave? Yeah. Well, I think it does seem like thinking back on Steve, I was young, I was like 12, 13 ish, you know, kind of when things went down and then after he died. Um, but I remember, I think you're never the same when something like that happens, like a significant, at least for me, this is kind of what I, what I experienced. And if someone's listening to us for the first time and doesn't know that your brother, Steve died died by by suicide. suicide when I was, um, I think it was about 12, 13 ish. And, um, yeah, it just was a really tough, there were a lot of things leading up to it, a lot of turmoil, a lot of, you know, crazy things. We didn't see it coming. We, it was not something that, I mean, it completely taken by surprise, our family and everything. But I think after that, it does, it just, nothing's the same after that. It just changes everything. And But I think for me, I really didn't understand a lot about it. Like I, I know how I felt and I know I felt the loss, but like, it just was such a new thing for me that I just couldn't wrap my head around. And then that time of life is just brutal anyway. Like kids are just mean, you know, I'm like 13, 14, 15 middle school. Like it just was a, a really dark, dark time for me, you know, and I don't know 
if that was because of the age I was at or because of what had happened or a combination, probably a combination. But I remember thinking like kind of just having a very negative outlook on life. And I think kind of going more dark, so to speak, I listened to just music that wasn't, you know, super uplifting and, you know, felt angry and just frustrated and confused and, and different things. But I still, I mean, I still had a belief in God. I still believed in that, um, in the plan, Mm -hmm. maybe even more so. And so, but I think it definitely felt kind of, there was like a, this is it, this is how I'm going to feel. And, you know, drawing conclusions based off of that. I've heard people say that they feel guilty, like the first time they laugh or the first time they feel happy after someone died. Was that a thing for you? It wasn't a guilt. Um, I think with Steve in particular, I, I do have a memory of like being out with my friends maybe a year or so after it had happened and just like having a really fun night. You know, we went to this, I don't know, like laser tag place and we're just kind of like hanging out, just being middle school kids. And, and it was super fun. And I think I remember being like, that was the first time that I felt like myself. I felt okay. But it's still, it, I don't know, it kind of felt like that feeling of after coming out of being sick, like mm. you're still just kind of like, okay, I'm I'm good for a minute, but I don't know, is this going to last? Like, you know, it was kind of like a the, the clouds parted for a minute, but it still was this looming feeling underneath that. And how long do you think it took before you started to feel more light than dark? I think it took a while. Probably at that time, once I got into, and this was with, with Steve, I think getting into high school and starting to mature a little bit more and grow a little bit more. I think my, my other brother, Dave went on a mission for our church at that time. And like, it was a really positive time for our family to get Mm -hmm. like his letters and kind of him talking about faith and, and uplifting things. Um, and then he gave me some advice too, just about how to be, like a better friend to other people and, you know, had me read the book, how to win friends and influence people. He suggested that's why I love that book. Um, but that kind of helped me create some positivity in my life. And I created a, like a really good, had really good friends. So that, you know, three years after four, kind of three, four years after I started to, to kind of pull out of it and yeah. be in a better place. So now let's transition to Dave. And Dave was such a different experience, right? Because you were an adult, you were a dad, he was a dad. The way that he died was totally different. Maybe you can just briefly explain that in case anyone's new. And then how that felt for you and and some of the experiences that you went through in the beginning. Yeah. Well, Dave, <clears throat> Dave was brother that was closest. He's closest to me in age. We're about four years roughly apart. Always looked to him as like the kind of the trailblazer, the example, the, you know, motivational force for me. Always very like father figure, all the things my entire life. Um, But yeah, owned some properties, um, had to evict some people, went to have a conversation with them about it. And then in the midst of that conversation, we don't know exactly what happened, but was shot and killed. Um, And so that was a super traumatic again out of left field like never would have just even thought of something like that happening um and it was somebody who was just really significant in so many ways for me and integral 
like for a lot of people too for like a lot of so many yeah. like that candlelight vigil like that it felt like the whole town turned out for that and every person felt like dave they were like dave's best friend or he made them feel that way you know yeah yeah so it was that one really rocked a lot of things for me and but being an adult and understanding like i understood and, and have an understanding of like what happens to people when they die based on our, my faith and, and being confident in that, but still grappling with just the confusion of what happened, you know, resentment and have to work through frustration with those who are responsible um, and, and kind of work through that forgiveness process with them. But I think there, yeah, there was for a long time, I mean, even up until recently, this feeling of like, look, this is just kind of how it's going to be. Like, I'm going to feel this way, which is kind of a, okay, I'm here, I'm living my life, and I just don't feel good, um, and I'm going to make the best of things and do my best to find joy, which, you know, amid the struggle, and but this is just kind of how it's going to be. And that was kind of the attitude, the feeling that I had. And I think that oddly, there's some guilt associated with that too. Cause I'm like, well, I believe in God and I do, I believe in Jesus Christ. Like through him, I can have joy now. And that's like the leader of our church, uh, President Nelson talks a lot about that. Like you can experience mm-hmm. joy regardless of your circumstances. So, Well, let's, let's pause and talk about that because I remember you told me quite a while after that, that you struggled with that when he first said that. And then it was requoted over and over in like our church's conferences. And so why, why did, first of all, the quotation is, um, something like the amount of joy you feel has nothing to do with your circumstance and everything to do with your, your focus in life. Right. Yeah. And so why was that hard for you at first? Because that surprised me when you told me that. Yeah. I I mean, I guess it was because of the way that I felt. And I felt and believed. I, and, I, and I knew that I have, a, I have faith, I strong faith, and believe in God. I'd been through different child, trials and challenges, been like through addiction and recovery and addiction. And I knew through the grace of Jesus Christ, like you can be, you can overcome anything and you can deal with anything. Um, but I... I, I kind of compared that to with how my the process that I was in and the way I felt at the time was like there was a little bit of maybe guilt or frustration on my end because I'm like, okay, I believe all these things. I really do. I know they're true, but I feel this way. Like I feel just the struggle and I feel depression and anger and all these different things. And so when that quote for me, I was like, I do believe, I I believe it's true, but I'm struggling with it Mm -hmm. and and I had to work through the process. Um, and so, but somebody shared with me in the the example of Christ, um, you know, coming to raise someone from the dead. And once they heard that this person had had died, like they were, he was going to come and help them overcome a sickness, but then the person died and they're like, Hey, if you would have been here, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And that's where the, that famous scripture, Jesus wept came from. But I think someone pointed it out to me. They're like, even though 
Christ knew what he knew, which was like, this person's going to live again, like in the next minute. Um, he still wept. He still felt the pain of that loss and felt grief. And, and I think that that he being the ultimate example that helped me to understand, like, look, it's okay to feel grief. It's okay to feel negative emotions just because I have a belief in Christ or faith or an understanding of, you know, what I believe to be the plan of salvation or like what, what the plan is doesn't mean that I'm, I'm just going to not feel negative emotions or have to work through grief or work through forgiveness or work through challenges. But through that process, what I found was in understanding that Christ overcame all things and, and working to align myself and be open to that light that, that there was peace, that there was joy, that there was, you know, all of those things that were, that were promised in that quote. Um, but, but it was finding, you know, kind of like finding the, the blue, the blue sky amid the clouds, you know, you're in the plane, you fly up through the clouds, like there's blue sky all the time, but Mm -hmm. if you just got to find it. And I think that's kind of what that quote was alluding to from what I understood. Right. Well, going back to what you said too about Jesus, that's such a profound example to me that pain has to be part of our existence, even for the most perfect being. Like if you believe that Jesus was our perfect savior. And I think for me as a younger person, like growing up and even as a younger adult, I thought that Jesus was kind of like this porcelain doll that just robotically did everything perfectly. But what you pointed out here was that even though Jesus definitely knew, like he could have timed that so that he could have gotten there and, you know, prevented that death, he still felt that pain and emotion and wept. And I mean, the description of Jesus wept, that's not just like he felt sad or got a little bit emotional. Like the times that I have wept are you know, only probably I can count on one hand. And one of those times was when Dave died. And I, I, the height of my grief and pain in that was watching Dave's kids say goodbye to him. Like that, that was, that was the ultimate low point for me where I just, I've never questioned my belief in God, but I did question that moment. Like how could, why, like, how did you let this happen? you know? Um, but at the same time too, I so profoundly remember as well when the first day when we were all together, the day after we found out that Dave had died and it was you and Dave's wife and your parents and a few of Dave's closest friends. And I remember that you and your mom and Dave's wife all said that you knew it was his time and that the spirit really confirmed that to me too. And so there is kind of like, it's, it's nuanced. It's difficult because even if you believe in heaven, even if you believe that there's a savior that makes everything right, eventually, even if you knew that it was Dave's time to go, there's still really hard parts of that. And so I think that giving 
yourself grace if you're going through something like this to feel a range of emotions is so important because even Jesus, the perfect example, felt that deep, um, deep enough that he would weep over someone dying. Like that to me says a lot about how it's normal and it's part of the human experience to feel that full range of emotion. And yeah. not just like sit in like happy land all the time and be high Doesn't on, yeah, no, for yeah. anyone. So I wanted to ask you what helped, like what was kind of a turning point for either of those periods of grief for you? Um, I think it was a combination of things. I noticed that like spiritual actions really, I mean, that's kind of all that I always, I knew this from recovery, like take spiritual actions each day and that could keep me in a good place. and. Mm pointed in the right direction and, and get strength. But I think like, you know, really doing the basic things that I knew would worked re- prayer, reading scriptures, studying scriptures, like, um, trying to stay connected spiritually and listening to, to talks that were up, uplifting or conference talks that, you know, something that, that I would listen to from leaders of our church, um, that helped, um, but but also I think allowing myself to feel joy when there was an opportunity, I think that there is a bit of a choice that, that I, I noticed. I learned this with my first brother dying. Like I was angry because mm-hmm. of what happened and how things went down. And I made a choice to just kind of th- just kind of throw it and just be like, you know what? Forget this. For me, sometimes in dark periods, it almost gets comfortable to stay in the negative, like to, to stay a victim. Like for me with, with our marriage struggles with addiction, like it, it was more comfortable for me to be a victim than it was for me to say, Oh, I actually have a choice in this and I can choose a different path. Yeah. No. And that's kind of what I, I think the, the first go around, I was more like that. I kind of just was angry, angry at the world, like didn't understand, um, and shows to just be like, yeah, I, I guess the victim is a good way to put it and just be like, man, I, I was dealt with unjustly or things happened that were not, you know, right or whatever. And just being angry about it. And I think with, with Dave, I think there was a temptation to do that. And I think I did do that to a degree. Just be like, man, I've, I've had two brothers that are closest to me and both are dead. Like what, what the heck? Like what, why, you know, you know, I don't know, just, just feeling that frustration, but somebody, you know, I was talking to, we went to Hawaii recently last week and I was talking to, you know, one of the guys that we were staying with and, and he said something super interesting. He's like, I don't have, I don't have bad days. I have bad moments. That was profound. And I thought I've been thinking a ton about that. And I'm like, you know, you, you really, it, it kind of is like that because even in the midst of that week that Dave died, there were moments of like we were laughing or joking or like being around people and and we were all feeling, you know, grief and sadness. But also like it it's not it doesn't have to be. I don't, I don't think it's totally that way. I think that it is. And, and there is a bit of a choice with it to mm-hmm. where it's like, OK, I can choose to focus on positive things and it's OK. I think you can feel like, ah, you know, it's this just happened. Like I need to go back into my, you know, negativity mode or sad mode. 
Um, and, and I think there, a lot of times the therapists that I was working with or different people would be like, well, Dave wouldn't want you to feel this way, which is totally true. And so I knew that and I knew I felt it too from him. Like, don't, don't be taken out by this at all. Like everything is good. Like the last thing I want you to be is just, you know, racked or crushed or to take this and make it a negative thing because everything that he did was to build people up and, and, you know, point them in a good direction. Right. So there, there is a bit, and I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that choice component. I'm like, well, I didn't choose this and I feel how I feel. Like, what do you mean choose? Like you want me just to magically be happy? Um, but I think there, there is an element that I had to focus on in being willing to accept Mm-hmm. happiness or accept positive situations or be open to the idea of fun or whatever. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And it's really interesting how it is an internal battle. And we were talking about good examples right before we started recording of people who have chosen a different way. And Immaculate Elbegeza is like, one of my all-time hero favorite people. If you want a book that is good from page one that will change your life, change your perspective, truly I was never the same after I read it. It's called Left to Tell. And it's her story of surviving the Rwandan Holocaust in or genocide in the 90s. And so she says in that book, I realized that my battle to survive this war would have to be fought inside of me. And it, I think, relates to what you're saying here, that you had to make that internal decision. And I think about some of the darkest times in our marriage, and I remember fighting being happy or feeling joy because it was like, I wanted you to feel bad and know that know how miserable you were making me. And so if I broke out of that and like we laughed about something or whatever, it was like, oh, then he's going to think it's okay. And I was so focused on making sure I was playing that victim role so well that you knew just how terrible your addiction was for our family that it was like this very prideful, I'm stuck in being the victim role. And it was so unhealthy. Like I look back and I'm like, I caused both of us, but especially myself so much pain, just being very, very rigid about staying in that defensive victim mode where it felt like, no, I have to make sure that he sees that I'm the martyr. And for what? Like now we still have conflict. We still have things that we work through. But I think the realization for me that's different now than it was then is that I'm causing that for myself. Like I am choosing pain when I choose to let something take me out, like you said. And, and of course, like if you are going through grief of a loved one, 
then that's kind of goes more into what we talked about earlier, where that's a range of human emotion. But I'm talking about when you feel like someone has wronged you, whether it's in your marriage or in a friendship or another family member, the amount of time that you stay stuck is your decision. And that was something I rejected at first with you and me until I got to rock bottom. And for me, rock bottom with honestly feeling like I wanted to die. I was so miserable. And so I felt like a crazy person because I never knew if you were being honest or lying. And that last big relapse, I I caught you in a lie. And I I remember just feeling like I was falling to pieces and also just was like, I cannot live this way anymore, God. Like, I don't want to exist. I'm so miserable. And that was when I, you know, my sponsor, thank goodness, had the wisdom to say, like, are you willing to do something about this? And I said, I'll do anything. And she said, okay, then you need to do the steps. And doing those steps were so transformative for me, not because it's just prescriptive of a happy life, but because it forced me to dig in to all of the things that I was doing and it put the ball back in my court and I realized like, oh, I am choosing pain. I am choosing to sit in all the negative emotions. And so going back to the original question of the person that wrote that topic in, did I ever think I would see the light again? There was a long time that I was like, this is just, I remember even telling a bishop once, like when it was just he and I, I told him, I have pretty much accepted the fact that this is what my marriage is going to be like in this life. Like it's, Neil's never going to get better. And I'm always going to be 30, 40% sad and disappointed. And, and I look back at that and I'm like, that was me choosing that mindset. And, and for some people, that's a really hard thing to hear. And it would have been really hard for me to hear in that moment. But what I learned when I did the steps was, oh, I actually can choose happiness, joy, peace, all of the fruits of the spirit, regardless of whatever you were choosing. And so it took me being willing to do something for myself before I believed that I could see the light and that that there was light at the end of the tunnel and that there was a different life other than that prison that I had put myself in. And I didn't want to believe that I'd put myself in it. I wanted to believe that that was all your fault. But that really is, that was the shift for me with codependency of feeling like I was just a prisoner to your choices. And then waking up one day and saying, oh, well, as I'm doing this work, this self-development work of working through these steps and breaking my habits of codependency, I realized like, it's all me. I get to choose if I let something cause me pain or for how long or how deep. And so I think that for codependency, that really works. It probably is different for grief. And I think it even was different for me with depression. You know, that's not something I could choose my way out of. But what was, you've talked about how you've had periods of depression, like what has your experience been with mental health struggles and feeling maybe like you'll never see the light? Yeah, that one's tough. I mean, it's, but I think it's a process. I I was just thinking about it. Like, you know, allowing yourself a lot of grace and giving yourself the time. And because 
I don't know. For me, I grew up kind of with like the the football mentality of just like suck it up, you mm-hmm. know, push harder, try harder, like don't be a wuss, you know. It's like, kind of a guy thing yeah, for a lot I of think men. You're, you're brought up that way. I was all like all boys in my family, and that's mm-hmm. just what happened. We wrecked on our bikes. It was like, all right, dust yourself off, go up, you know, go do it again, you know. And that's how you learned how to do th- something. Um, and so that was kind of my mentality. Was You're a little like, bit that way with our boys. Being, still. I know I've got to shift it. I'm <laughs> kind of being that way with my little, my little Harry. Like it's, it's interesting. And I'm trying to realize like, I need to change that. So I'm working on that one. Um, but I'm, you know, it's like being hard on yourself. And, and I think maybe, maybe in football or sports or, you know, for me, like riding bikes or something, that worked, you know, because it was motivating and you just had to grind it, push it through and, and force things. But when it comes to human emotion, um, it, it like the, the concept of being kind to yourself was totally foreign mm-hmm. until I got into recovery. I'm like, what? Like, why would I do that? But through the process of like really working through the mental health challenges or the, the depression that that, you know, came on and was chronic for a long time like just being kind and I think really understanding what how God sees us like having being a father I think helped with that like looking at the struggles of my children or you know something that they're working through like you know it's not like a you know, hey, get it together. You know, if it's just a something that they're dealing with or some struggle that they're dealing with, it it's more of like, oh, like I love you, like I'm, you know, it's so more kind and compassionate. But I think for myself, for some reason, I struggled with that. So like having self love, self kindness, self compassion, like not justifying like things that I know are wrong or anything, but but just giving myself love and patience and and time to work through something and being open to, you know, whatever solution that I needed to be that, that I felt, you know, directed by God to take action on, um, ultimately helped kind of progress things in the right direction. Well, with, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think that with mental health for me, with my serious postpartum depression in 2020, when I had Harry, I kind of hated myself and, didn't want to accept that that was me. And I obsessed about when is this going to be over? Like I can do something as long as I know that there's an end in sight and how long it's going to be. And my therapist just kept telling me, the more you push back on this, the longer it's going to be. So, you know, when you start to accept this, it's going to make it easier for you to get better eventually and to feel better. But if the the longer you kick and scream about it, the harder it's going to be for your body and your brain to get better and to adjust. And so that was a lesson in patience for me. And I think that there are times and seasons and, you know, especially if you are sleep deprived for any reason, you got to give yourself a lot of extra grace because nobody is at their best when they're sleep deprived. And then my, my therapist also would remind me in 2020 that in general, because of the state of the world, she was like, nobody is at their best right now. No, literally no one. This is bringing out the worst in people. It's fear. It's being trapped in your home, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. It's, you know, even if you didn't believe that COVID was a health scare, 
It was the economy. It was, you know, just so many things. And all the certainty that we are used to having being flipped upside down and everything changing in front of us. And so there will be times in your life where you have to give yourself grace and patience as you slowly proceed through things. I think that grief is definitely that way. I don't think anybody gets like a hall pass or a, you know, go, you know, skip all the way around the board game to, um, you know, advance really quickly. Like that is just a process and it takes as long as it takes. And for me, postpartum depression was that way. And I think that there was definitely a long period of time where I felt like I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel and it was never going to get better. And I was afraid that that very debilitating, you know, 20% capacity me was going to be me forever. And my therapist was spot on when I finally just let go of trying to control it, like trying so hard to think my way through that. And I just let it be. That's when I slowly started to make a little bit of progress and a little bit more progress and started to feel like myself just a little bit more and started to feel like I could be around people and that, you know, not just isolate and just feel like terrible about myself. And so I think sometimes accepting that it's just going to be a period of time is really important. But I also think going back to, I think this person's original question was part two, where she said part two, did you ever think you would see the light again? What was like that? What was that like for you in our marriage when things were really hard? Did you feel like things were ever going to get better? I think for a time, I mean, honestly, no. I mean, I for a minute there, for a while, it was just like, okay, this is, again, like, hey, this is just how it's going to be. And, and okay, like, I believe in, again, I, I, I always fall back. The one kind of like the thing that always brings me the hope or, you know, whatever is, is a belief in God and belief in, you know, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm like, okay, I believe in God. I believe in the plan. I believe in marriage and eternal marriage is what we believe in. Um, okay. There's, there will be a way and, and all right, like regardless of the situation, if I, I just need to look at my side of the street and, and, and do what's right and act accordingly and then surrender the rest, kind of a serenity prayer approach of like control. What can I control? I can control me and that's it really. I can control how I think, what I do, what I don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I can control the actions I take. But other than that, like wrestling with the control of, you know, another person, you know, can, can lead down a negative path. But I, I think one area that I had to both in grief and in marriage and in any of these major challenges, take a lot of caution in is there's always a temptation. And I think with grief, there was a temptation to take a circumstance or a situation or something that happened to me or, or whatever, and use it as a reason to like act out in some way, mm. either on my addiction or make a choice to be like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like I'm going to go what X, Y, Z, I'm going to go off the rails. I'm going to go whatever. And I think that the with my brother Steve, when he died, like, I think that was the attitude I had. I didn't do anything, like, super crazy. I was just, like, a teenage, you know, young teenage kid. But I think that was my attitude is, like, I don't, I just don't care, you know. And, and I'm, I think I lashed out in different ways. So 
Um, but yeah, in answer to your question, I think for a minute there or for a while, it was kind of like, okay, this is just what it's going to be. But in those times and seasons, it's like controlling what I can control and surrendering the rest. And it's just amazing what happens when I do that. God makes it work and figures it out. So when did you feel like you finally started seeing the light in our marriage that things maybe were going to turn around and get better? Well, I think like any time that the spiritual actions were there, the spirit was there, mm-hmm. or we did spiritual things together, like I I felt that. So it wasn't like a, you know, switch. I think it was moments. And mm-hmm. those moments were got more and more frequent or longer and longer in d- duration. Um and and that's kind of how it happened for me. That's interesting because for me it was definitely like a moment where it was like I made a decision, but for you it was small moments, and yeah, you yeah know. like built and kind of kind of the light just got brighter and brighter and and then now I look at where our marriage is at versus where it was before and it's just I'm like it's totally different in such a better way <clears throat> even than when we first got married. Like that was amazing, but I just think it's so much better now. Well, I want to say too, that while it, yes, I agree with you. We were even just saying a few days ago, like when it was just you and me time, the kids were in bed. We were like, wow, our relationship is the best it's ever been. However, (laughs) we had something happen that for me was super painful. Like just a couple months ago that I could have chosen to stay mad. And I told you, like, at the beginning of January, I just said, I'm letting this go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to surrender it. It's not going to be something that follows me around and causes pain for me because I'm choosing to surrender it. And so I think that while, yes, things will happen to you throughout life, like marriage is a constant choice. A happy marriage is a constant choice. And I have learned that, that the victim mentality only hurts me, you know, and and maybe it affects you, but ultimately it hurts me the most to just stay stuck in something. And so I think, you know, when things happen in marriage, because they will, because you're putting two flawed, very extremely flawed people together and making a life out of that, that you're going to have times and periods and seasons where things happen and they're hurtful or you have to work through something that's really hard and it's going to be your choice whether you stay stuck in those things or you choose to let them go. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Same thing for me. I think so much of it, way more than I ever thought, comes down to to choice, like really choosing. And someone said it, I think when we were dating or engaged or something, I heard it in church, they were talking about it and they're like, you know, I choose to love my wife every day or I make that choice every day. And I think it's something my father-in-law, your dad, mm-hmm. when I sat down to ask for your hand, basically, in marriage, you know, we had this great experience, really powerful, amazing, like, yes, experience of should we get married? And, you know, we prayed about it. And I told him about it. And he's like, that's so awesome. Like, how cool, you know, and, and that's great. And then he followed it up with really a wise comment. And it was like, you know, you can choose your way out of that. Like you can choose based on the choices you make, you can choose to grow together or, you know, based on your choices, you can, you can choose your way away from that. 
to. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, I, I believe that I really do. And I think based on how, you know, thoughts or actions or decisions, um, you know, you can, you can come closer together as a couple or further apart. And I think that making the choice and choosing, you know, what is it? President Hinckley, choosing your love, choose your love and love your choice. He used to say that one of the presidents of our church. Um, I totally believe that and, and agree. So going back to the original question, which was part two, did you ever think the light would shine again? There have definitely been periods of my life where I felt like this is just it. It's never going to get better in our marriage with postpartum depression. I think even watching you go through grief, I was like, he's never going to be quite the same again. And here's the interesting thing is you aren't the same, but I think you can choose to be better. You know, you can choose to use those situations and, and give yourself grace, allow yourself to feel your feelings. But then when you're ready, choose to use those circumstances to make yourself a better version, a more compassionate, a more understanding version of yourself. And the more you choose to move forward after hard things, the easier it gets. I think, I think that once you've taken a step toward a step out of victimhood, out of something really, really hard, you step out of that and you see that you chose to step into the light and that that is something that you can eventually choose when you're ready. It's easier to keep doing it when things are hard in life. And so for me, I feel like That's one of the most empowering things about the atonement of Jesus Christ is it allows you to do things that you couldn't do on your own. And, and I think about partnering with the savior and giving things, giving really hard things to him. And then in return, he gives me peace and hope and light. And so I think if you can allow yourself the time and then when you're ready, step out of those hard things and choose to surrender to God, whatever you can't hold yourself because it's holding you back. That's where you'll feel the light, see the light, and then it becomes easier every time. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I think I, I love, I love that. I mean, the aspect too of, of, yeah, just the serenity prayer, which basically is what that is, is, um, you know, looking at the things that we, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage, to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference mm-hmm. for me, that's that comes through what I believe is the spirit. And so the, as I do things on a daily basis that, that connect me with the spirit, I'm able to do that. I can't have the wisdom to know the difference um, unless I'm spiritually tapped in and listening like on my own in those times. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't do it because I'm frustrated, hurt, whatever. Um, but being able to tap in, take daily actions spiritually to be able to do those things, to have courage, to take action, um, to know what to do and, and be able to differentiate between what I can and can't control. Um, that really is the, is the key. Um, it's a spiritual process.
Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. We're so grateful that you spent time with us today. Make sure you go follow us at Corinne Stoko or at Mint Arrow Messages on Instagram. And then if you have a second and you love the show, I would love it so much if you'd leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the only way people can find out about us if they haven't heard about us before. So just go tap the stars, leave a rating or a review. If you have a second, we would appreciate it so much.